because we've just solved that. We've just solved that <laughs> that whole thing without going to the government with our begging bowl. We've solved that. Broadcasting from Essex. It is the 19th of February 2021 and you're listening to Salonomics. The Bitcoin price is currently $52,680. I am your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair, Nigel Farage. It's Joe <laughs> Nanette. <Ooh>. Hey, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah. Nigel Farage has just set up the reform uh, political party and his entire modus operandi is to reform politics in this country which you know i what? think is yeah. is a great great yeah, thing it, to it, do. it does need refreshing actually i've got to say because these uh these policies of today right these things they got what they call what i've called a duo poly haven't they you know sort of like labor conservative they're all the same both, both, um, yeah, like Pepsi Cola, right? You know, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, don't, they don't mind having 50% of the market each. Yeah, do you exactly. know what I mean? But exactly. they're going to prevent anybody else coming in and taking their market share. Exactly. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah good yeah. luck, Nigel. Exactly. Um, that doesn't, because I said good luck, Nigel, doesn't make me a racist, doesn't make me a xenophobe, doesn't <laughs> or, make or me... Or a Remainer, a uh, Remainer, a Brexit. Doesn't make me any of those things. Yeah. I'm wishing someone well because I know the task that they have is very, very difficult to navigate. So there you go. Um, so then, Joe, did you hear in the first part, in the introduction, the Bitcoin price is currently $52,000? No, really? Yes. Well, you, so, know what? You, you know what? Before you go, because, you know, I, I've got um, $50 from you. Well, not from you, but for someone you knew. Gave me $50, mm. what, a couple of years ago now? Yeah, it was an XL, weren't it? It was yeah. at that White Label Expo that we went well, to. Let me just check the uh, my wallet. Uh, okay. My, my $50 is worth now $427.21. Nice. <laughs> and very, that's actually, you know what I mean? So, well, that's okay. not bad. Okay. And considering yeah. you, you weren't going to come to that thing, and I kind of dragged you to that. That, that, that event, yeah, you you're do. earning money out of meeting me in East London still. That's well, still paying you money for well, meeting still, me on that day. I still pay for it because you can't drive to Excel, you can't park there, so I have to take a taxi there. Yeah. Listen, you've more than been reimbursed. (laughs) That that is true. Thank you very much, Aaron, for You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you very much. So then, mate, it's been a busy week, right? Um, We started off the week, didn't we, talking about um, the BEIS scheme or Bays, as is apparently it's bee, known. Is it bees or be, bees or uh, bays? Uh, who knows? Who yeah. knows? Um, but I heard it called bays the other bays. day. Uh, the only bays I'm aware of is what you play snooker on, right? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, the green bays. Yeah. But anyway, green bays, yeah. that's just where my head goes when I hear that word. But um, yeah, so we started off the week talking about you know restrictions of what new, the new salon the future will have to undergo. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, for this salon restructuring you know there's a restructuring of our industry kind of going on due to covid as we, as we we've discussed um and obviously it brings into light the new save our salons campaign which yeah. as you know i wrote to my politician you wrote to your politician um did you receive a response from your politician nope, not so about number wow seven. that's interesting why is that i think it's so sort of like it's in in a remit i mean emily thornbury um you know, ah, Emily Thornbury. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, the Champagne Socialist. Okay, so let's ignore that then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I must admit that I, I did see her the other day, right, in mm. the street, and there's there's one thing I kind of said, yeah, Emily, I like you. She was smoking. Right. She was smoking, and you okay. know I'm a smoker, and you I will talk about. I, I would, I'll talk about this later on. And the smokers, we tend to sort of gravitate together and, and bond together because we are, we're a dying breed. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so there's, there's my answer. I, got, I didn't get anything from her, right? So, um, but yeah, you got your um, you got your reply, which really was uh, uh, a non-event in itself, wasn't it? It was a non-event. Um, I was a little bit fobbed off. I mean, you know, as we predicted, 
Do you know what I mean? Essentially, the response from my politician... I can read it verbatim if you want. I mean... No, I don't think we did go down there, do we? No, I mean, essentially, it was a bit of a fob off. It was... I'm not aware of any... any, um, I'm not aware of any reason to change, you know, sectors from uh, personal care, retail, into health and well-being. Um, And, you know, he's not heard of anything that the Chancellor's got in the pipeline to talk about VAT regulations on our industry either. Uh, And we will have to wait for the new budget to see if anything's in there that will help us. So that's quite interesting. Um, Obviously, if we wanted to update the reduced VAT to 5% for the hair and beauty industry in line with hospitality petition, which went on six months ago, that's uh, 27,000 signatures, so we've only got a few weeks to re- get 73,000 signatures before the government even need to respond yeah. to that. So, so it's yeah, not, that's... And it's, it's not going to happen, right? Yeah, so, so basically um, it's forced a, another few salon owners uh, or salon operators to revamp this campaign, um, and there's now a second campaign going called Save Our Salons. You can find out all the details about it, saveoursalons.co.uk. You know, I understand why they're doing it. This year has been unprecedented and, and salons are really under the cosh. But we watched a hairdresser's journal uh, live show the other day, which had a few of the people campaigning on the panel. And um, we wanted to share our thoughts of what we thought about the discussion. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, what was your overriding... Um, thoughts about about that discussion, Joe. Yeah, I mean, first uh, of all, do you agree that VAT should be scrapped on hairdressing? Well, I mean, you know, that I'm, I've been an advocate of that for from day one, right? In effect, why do I pay VAT on a haircut? You know, it's not mm. like, yeah, you know, that is a skill that I learned. Mm. I, I'm I'm selling my time and my expertise. I'm not selling a product. I didn't buy a product. I mean, I bought the scissors, yes. I bought a comb, yes. But you know, hey. You know, you, you can't charge every haircut I've done, right, VAT, at, um, at, that, at the rate um, for, 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 for that reason. So I, I just never understood. And no one's really explained to me about it. I, I actually did, did, I did. Have you seen my LinkedIn post recently? No. No, okay. what have you done now? Well, have, see, you, I, have you upset now? I would talk about it later on. But um, I actually did a poll. I actually did a poll, actually. Uh, on on the um, ask a question to hairdressers if mm. they find um, let me let me just go to my um, status and I I will come across it right okay uh, one second give me give me okay yeah all right you know just in your own time <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry sorry um, about poll right about is you know. Is VAT acceptable? Yes. Mm. Um, no. Um, mm. It's unfair. Or um, not sure as to, um, you know, please, please explain. I only got one person <laughs> so far. <laughs> Who was that, mate? Don't know. It could have been you. I, I think uh, it doesn't sort of say. <laughs> I one person voted. I think right? it was me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I hashtag a lot uh-huh. of people in the industry on it. Yeah. Okay. So, what does it tell you? I mean, here is a poll, right? To get to get some traction about VAT, mm. oh, and these these salon owners, operators, hairdressers, bleating about cutting the VAT, and yet they have they haven't done a survey as to under, to actually understand what the the uh, industry thinks about it. They're yeah, that's a really good point. That's what I did. You know, they're only thinking about themselves. And, and I've been telling this so many times, but I try to explain to you in, in layman's terms that our industry is not this, we're all one big community. It's been, it's a fallacy. It's bullshit. You know, mm. it, it, it's, it's something that they're dreaming up now because the shit hit the fan. Right? Mm. As, anyway, go back to the, um, the, to the video I was, I was watching it, yeah. I was watching, listening to, to, to I wasn't, I didn't make any um, interaction with anything like that. I know you did. I mean, you made a comment, and you know, they saw like a person who's an industry leader. So like her, her comment to you was pretty childish, really. I mean, I, I know I'm, I speak very basic English, but 
you know, she she was actually sort of like, oh well. Was go. that the um, shame them on Instagram? Yeah, totally. I've got to yeah. shame my politician on Instagram. It's, it's, yeah, you know. I mean, look, let's uh, define the politician's stance well, here, right? The politician fobs me off because they believe they've given hairdressers and salon owners enough support in furlough over the last year to justify their position of you require no extra support. Right, that that's yeah. the, is is that not the consensus from politicians? Right, they've they've helped salons. Well, see this over thing the is, last year. they have. I think they helped everybody. Right, you know, the furlough scheme. Listen, once the furlough scheme ends, which would be sooner rather than later, you're looking at two million people unemployed extra. Mm. Once the furlough scheme ends, so where does the industry not understand? Right, that a government handout is not the answer. That's the that's the thing that I'm trying to sort of like fam in my head. Is yeah. I mean, you've got a dog, right? I've got two dogs. You know, you know when you give them food, right? Yeah. It's never enough. Yeah, they want they want more, don't they? <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't know. I don't know about your buddy, but I know with my two, you know, oh, he's a scavenger, mate. It's absolute yeah. scavenger. He's always yeah. on the lookout for food. Always. Exactly. So, you know, it's better to give him nothing, right, mm. than to give him something, because once you give him that something, they want more. And that's how I see these campaigns now. The you hairdressers. Get, yeah, because you, well, the, not so much the, uh, the hairdressers in our level of hairdressing, yeah. because we, we're independent, we're self-employed. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're sovereign. We're, yeah, we're sovereign. That's a new word that you learned today, right? Mm. I wish we'd explain that. Uh, we, so, but these, um, these salon owners, or these people who saw like working in a, in a salon, right, where they're going to be waiting for their clients to um, to come, it's not going to happen. So, be, and they know that, and, and I'll tell you the reasons why in, in a second. That they would they would never operate to the same level to capacity that they had before COVID. So we're talking mm. about nearly a, a year ago now, mm. and. And so the government's giving them something and they want more and they want more. So it doesn't matter how much the government throws in. Look at the hospitality sector. Look look at the pubs. Look, look at mm. the retail sector. Yeah, they, they, they keep bleating, bleating. But how much, how much more can the government do, really? And they can't do it now anymore. You, yeah. you know, you well, know. Isn't, isn't this the blurry line between, look, we just need to open up. You know, we want to open up and earn our own money. We don't want to go um, asking that, for handouts. The, we want the opportunity to work. Okay, but okay, you can go to work, right? All right, let's 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 say case study. You open up. Who's going to come? <laughs> well, I mean, this is <laughs> this has been the argument for a year. We don't know whether the public are going to be in their droves back in the, the salon. You know, not. we don't. We don't, we don't know the... Uh, but this is why we was talking about it last year. Uh, and we, we, we did say that salons that were reinvesting this furlough money that was given to them by the government yeah. into moving backwashes around and renovating the salon, I mean, I think they will probably look back on those decisions with a hinge of regret because they could have probably done with that £10,000 to well, see it, them through to April, for well, example. Well, they could invest in Bitcoin, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Look at salon. Well, like, yeah, it would have been... Yeah, they could, could have you took, Because you took me to your friend's salon, right? In, um, mm. called, what was it? Um, where was it? On Canby Island. Canby Island, uh, yeah. In Essex. He, he did a wonderful job with, with the thing, but I, I, I said to you at the time, he should just wait it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the... the you know, once something starts, right, you have to wait till till the ultimate moment, right, where there's no um, return to, to make adjustments because they're just going to keep moving the goalpost, which the government has been doing with, mm. with the COVID. They keep moving the goalpost, goalpost, and and sellers can't keep up. And and this, this is again like one of the reasons why I think the the, the government hasn't opened retail because the first time they weren't adequate. They, they tried to prepare, but they weren't adequately prepared. Because they haven't, they haven't embraced technology for a start. All they did was just move chairs, took away chairs, move the backwash, really. And they haven't invested in the mechanics of a salon. 
And mm. when I say the mechanics, right, fresh air intake, extractor fans, and things like that, they've still got the same old ventilation system, which actually encourages germs. You, you know, it, yeah, but what about the glass, the, the glass booth system? Because, um, you know, as we know, Coronado put some beautiful glass panelling booth system in there. He yeah. did fill the place with, like, salt. Um, salt air purifiers and things like this. Yeah, but when, when, when does the air ventilation system come if from, from above? So it comes down. So, you know, that's ventilation, right? So, like, the extractive fans are outside the building. So it's picking up all this, um, the germs and the, the, the debris from outside. It goes through the filter. And obviously the filter is not sufficient enough to, to prevent COVID. It's, yeah. it's still coming into the building. That's how I was sort of seeing the mechanics working. Yeah, I'm you not are of a germophobe, though, aren't you, mate? I, um, this is something I'd recognise early on. You are a germophobe, and you are... I'm a very much a Darwinist when it comes to this. Yeah, you know, yeah. what don't kill you makes you strong no, kind it, of thing. And I actively expose myself to the germs. But, you know, it's that anti-fragile thing. So... Yeah. But I understand owning a salon is about protecting everybody else. That's right. You know, don't it's forget. about making sure that they're safe. Look, um, look so there, there was this argument, right, that you know a salon is one of the most hygienic environments, right? Because you've got oh, running, absolutely. Because you've got zero point five percent. Because you've got running water. Transmission. Got well, let's water. let's compare that. Let's compare that to the the pub industry or the hospitality section. Yeah. Theirs was three percent. They tracked all the COVID um, testing um, data and, and the contraction of COVID from a hospitality um, sector was 3%. Salons, hairdressing salons, 0.5. So if the government really believed that, you know, salons and hospitality was so dangerous, then why are they keeping all the massive giant supermarkets open? Because well, I would I would argue there's a lot more COVID... Um, you know, exposure that goes on in a supermarket when you're in a building with but, you, but, but yeah, but you're not doing a haircut around a mask in a supermarket, are you? <laughs> no, right? you're not, and you're not. You're not. And within how can you close... do a haircut or a blow dry around a mask? You can't. It's yeah, just... you're not. You're not within like close contact yeah, to one it, person it, it, for a long time it, it, as it just, well. Which yeah. you know, so so there is there is lots of there is lots of nuances to this you know the r number and the infection rate and all of that so, and, so what do we do do we d dismiss it altogether then do we dismiss all that data and I, just say I, yes exactly i mean you know me with, with with data right i think social science right you know, using data is it's it's not it's in what i've what i learned today i can't pronounce the word i know exactly what it means mm. institutionalized scaremongering that's yeah. what it is Institutionalized right. scaremongering, but people right. are using that as a PR, yeah, exactly. Um, PR and, motive and, now. It's like, oh, look, you yeah. know, let's take Sage for example, right? You know, these sort of the, these professors or whatever, they're not professors of ology, they're professors of social science. Mm. Okay, so you know, if, if a doctor was to examine me thoroughly, uh, you know, from head to toe, internally, if he looks at sick Joe, look, smoking's really doing this to you, bend over. Bit. Right? Yeah. Bend over. Yeah, right? The doctor said, yeah, bend over. Yeah, you know, it's sort of like, <laughs> and this, this is your body, right? And this is what's causing these these things, right? And I could say, you know what, doc? You're right. I'm going to give up. But when you've got social science telling you, this is bad, this is bad, or you've got to do this, right? Then it becomes a different source of information, doesn't it? It is mm. scaremongering. And that's what, and I think people's been so brainwashed not for, not in since covid but well before covid with other um sort of like scaremongering tactics you know global warming climate change environmental issues the smoking drinking all these things well it's this programming thing isn't yeah, exactly. it it's this programming using fear and now um, you right, know and now covid has come to the head of it because you can't mm. get any higher than that now right because mm. smoking was the platform where it all started from and now it's come to the top now and where does it go from here? Complete restructuring of society. Mm. That's how I yeah. see it. Okay. Anyway, should we reverse a little bit and get yeah, back so, into the Save Our Salons yeah, exactly. chat? Yeah, exactly. And I'm just saying, so a salon environment, right, is not as healthy as you think it is. Well, I disagree. No, I disagree. On, no, 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 I think salon environment is extremely no. healthy. I, okay. I, think, I, think, I think we're probably one level below... 
operating theatres oh, okay. in hospitals let, let, and things okay. like let that. Me ask because you a question. Let me well, ask because you a question. of the world class sanitation, you know these oh, these God. levels of sanitation that hairdressing salons are been, now being have held. Ever, have you ever gone to work with a cold? Well, yeah, of course. There you, go. there you go. There you go. So, so how can that be healthy? How can that be healthy? You know, you're well, talking about, you know what I mean? If I mean, the to... common cold. Well, as listen, I don't want to get into, you know, viruses and all that because no, no. it just go, it gets skewed. Um, but, you know, the common cold is around, has been around forever. And you've seen War of the Worlds, right? You <laughs> yeah. know, the aliens come down. It was the common yeah. cold that defeated them. Yeah, this is yeah. what I'm saying about anti-fragile. What don't kill you makes you this stronger. And Sir Desmond Swain, the Tory politician, he went on talk radio the other day and he was he put up a good a, a good point, essentially saying that lockdown exacerbates the uh, length of time the virus um, survives because now um, only the strongest mutations of the virus can survive because it has to be more powerful to get out there and infect yes. people whereas in times gone by had we not locked down the virus will get weaker and weaker and weaker because its interest is to keep its host alive and right, not exactly. kill them but, no, but so i thought that was right. a really interesting take on why well, lockdowns you know are proving to just prolong this yeah. whole drama as like opposed to flatten the curve is, like they are. Space is important here, right? And most salons mm. are very minim, minimum space, okay? I mean, you've got yeah. the super salons, I agree. But you're talking about small, you know, most majority of salons about what, five, six hundred square feet, five, six chairs. Mm. And then you've got a ventilation system, which is just bleating it all out. You know, mm. and, and that, that encourages it. I don't think it, I don't think it's, it's help. Look, I'm not sort of saying it's unhealthy, but in today's world, is unhealthy. With COVID nineteen around, sure. it's unhealthy. You well, know, you, you know. like you, you may be making the case for salons uh, and that interaction with you know salon staff as being unhealthy. But look, what, let's look at it from the point of view that say that client just doesn't want to get on the bus, the train. That's to right. even visit the salon in the first place, <laughs> exactly. then surely, surely our industry has to look at the opportunity of providing those services at home or somewhere else for the customers' liking, um, as well. That's you right. know, That's would right. you argue making them travel to a salon is safer than me travelling from my home to their home no, to cut their no hair? Way. Again, and this is why the industry is it's it's kind of evolved from cutting the back to saving our salon mm. you know and when we, when we saw that facebook um zoom chat right with with the these uh, industry leaders of, of uh, four of them they you know if you actually sort of listen to it it, it was about them it, it, i mean we talk about the industry uh, with, with passion but we actually saw listen to them talking they, they're actually talking about themselves uh, and there's a very big difference and and this is a thing that i came across you know when 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 the whole thing was finished i, I sort of took time to digest it i, I mm. sort of thinking right there's two which are hairdressers and there's two which are salon owners but they're not hairdressers the salon owners aren't hairdressers no. you mean um okay. i'm not going to mention their names but if they're listed they know who they are right they they're salon owners but they're not hairdressers. Okay. Now, as a salon owner, I could survive because I could do hair. Mm. If you're a salon owner, but you can't do hair, how are you going to survive? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a good point. It's a good point. You, you know, I mean, you're going to need help. You know? it's, it's that versatility, right, of yeah. a salon owner that can do hair. Yeah. can essentially shut their shop down but they can essentially take their clients wherever they go and open up somewhere new tomorrow and you know they're That's not right. necessarily be a disruption in their service exactly 100 percent. whereas a salon owner has probably invested 20 10 15 years into that business to their brand bricks and mortar place yeah. that brand yeah um and you know this disruption is going to hit them the hardest because exactly. it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to 
And, and are they going to be motivated to want to restart this momentum and have to start a game from scratch? So I understand that dilemma and I understand why they are trying to push the Save Our Salons. The other question I wanted to ask you is, VAT has been charged on our services for years, unfairly, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Why are they asking the question now? You know, why? <laughs> why, are they, why are they bringing these campaigns forward now? <laughs> When we've been talking about this, what, since I was at the MH Fed in 2012? Well, again, let, let's, let's look at it from a sort of like a, from my, a lemon's point of view. VAT, say, chopping the bat didn't work. So, again, it kind of has to be saving our salons, but the, uh, the results, the, 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 the game is, the, what the game, the aim is the same as in the reduction and uh, the VAT reduction because it will save them X amount of money because they're using data now aren't they because mm. uh, I think you you're quite into data so you listen to that very closely much well closely. I did used to be a fraud analyst mate which um, <laughs> yeah right so you know, when, I, when I hear the word data I just switch off you know I mean, it doesn't it, sure. do, it doesn't help me do a haircut that's what I that's what do you I like mean. seeing charts I no. can show you some charts no I, I've got no interest whatsoever because okay. You know, I mean, you, you can even show me a chart of a haircut, you know, sort of right angle, left, you know, sort of isosceles or 45, 60. I wouldn't know the difference. Seriously. Yeah, that's a diagram. I'm talking about a chart that actually, yeah. like, kind of provides I'm, a I'm data just, set. Yeah, I'm just saying, it, it just doesn't interest me whatsoever. If anyone wants to see my inflation chart, um, it's a really powerful visual, and it really will help people understand and see through... Um, the problems that this industry's faced for the last 20, 30 years. Uh, it's, a lot of it's due to inflation. Um, so, but yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe put that up on the uh, te the Telegram channel. Maybe. Yeah, so, so, them um, so the people can have a look at the inflation chart. So them asking the question now is, is really is saving, save our skin, really. Right, okay. Uh, it's only because they're under massive threat yeah. that their backs are against the wall. They're on the proverbial cliff edge yeah, with the, the, you know, with the rock kind of creaking and breaking and crumbling away under their feet. And, and this is this is their, their one and only chance to get out of it. Let's, let's put it this way, right? The, the four people um, that was being interviewed, right? mm. they're all, let's give it credit for that, right? They're all owners of four massive salons. Sure. Now... Since the first lockdown, what they've done, they've, take, they've, they've reduced their seating capacity by 50% because of social mm. distancing. Yeah. All right. So... And staff by 50%, probably. Exactly. And, and then the second lockdown... Well, no, 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 not, not staff, because there was a lot of examples of salons that basically had a split shift of staff. So the staff would coming in, uh, were coming in. It was the amount of appointments that were cut in half. Because it was physically the amount of appointments that right. a salon could exactly. so, so appointment three hours is still nice cut million. in half. Yeah, yeah. Because right. I, I remember one of my friends; he was having yeah. to work four hours a day, but seven days a week. Yeah. In order to do, yes, um, you know, right. twenty-eight hours a week. Do right. you know what I mean? He was having to work for four hours every day, as opposed to he'd normally work four days at nine hours a week. Uh, at nine hours a day, I mean, you so, know. So, so, so let's give. Let, Let's all look at things with a pretty rosy um, tinted glass now, right? Mm. The pandemic's over, and the norm is reduced chairs, um, time staggered, staggered, running every half an hour, right? Mm. These salons are not going to operate to the to the capacity they were, regardless. Yes, so their potential, their potential takings have been hit. Hit massively. Even, massively. even when the good times come, it would never be to where they were. But, sure. but that's um, only if social distancing rules well, stay mate, the same, they, right? they, Well, they will stay. They're, they're not here to go away, mate. I mean, there's no Don't think so? No. Well, you think once this lockdown's over, oh, let's get back to being normal again. No way. Well, I, well, I hope that's the case. But like I no say, way. we can't. We no, We don't know the level of fear that's affected people. There could be a subconscious thing where people just naturally stay two meters away from each other now you know it's kind of it won't be said it won't be, but people will you know their safe zone or their safe space see, see, you, you know that like, comfort zone they yeah. will they will lean away from you now probably well, I mean, rather exactly. than and why would uh, why yeah. would you want to be in that environment i mean keep no but you, what i'm saying is that we don't know the no, point no. is we don't know how it's going to affect the future so in order to listen, mitigate 
the problem. What should you be doing, Joe, to mitigate this this future problem? You downsize. Half capacity. Well, you downsize for a start. These sellers have to downsize. Now, the smaller sellers don't have to downsize. Yeah. The big sellers, which and then we talked about these four big sellers that was actually sort of having the debate, they have to downsize. And you actually said it yourself, the salon the salon hairdressers will be able to survive, but the salon owners who are not hairdressers won't be able to. And, and therefore, I suppose, in a way, it makes the whole save our salons, chop the vat thing futile. Because if they downsize, they probably they they, they decrease their turnover to get underneath the vat threshold. And, and there you go, abracadabra, the vat disappears. There you go, everyone. This is a public service announcement. We've figured it out for you. And have you No need for chop the vat. No need to campaign to the government. Downsize, reduce your turnover. Be clever. Don't pay the government any VAT. Sweet. Well, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. And I said to you a million times, this campaign is futile. I, does, yeah. I just don't understand why they keep going on and on and on, right? Well, it's okay. Simple. Really ding. ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. We have figured it out. It's all good. So, yeah. Are you, ha are you happy with that? Are you happy? I'm happy with that. I'm happy because I've got closure now. We can yeah. stop talking about this. I mean, I just wanted to add, you know, um, some of the data that, that Toby shared on the show was quite eye-opening, to be honest. 350 people had actually uh, written a survey, um, you know, basically stating the following numbers. Uh, or this was the data that he shared, and it was... You know, um, 190 of the 350 uh, responses have considered closing. Yeah. Um, 280 uh, of the 350 that responded, VAT is critical. You know, this cut in VAT is critical for their survival. So basically, the essentially, the only people that are responding to his survey are these people that are affected by VAT <laughs> in the first place. So it, this isn't a 19... Uh, they keep using the term, we're fighting for the industry. No. But they're not, they're not. They're fighting for the certain percentage of the industry which is exposed to these VAT laws. And this idea to segue into the Hair and Barber Council, it's all of these people that talk about fighting for the industry. I just want to define what industry means. Industry is those people in hair and beauty that make money out of hair and beauty people. They are not the people that are doing hair that are earning money from doing because yeah. they extract in all their monetary value from membership fees, from product sales and from educational fees. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, when they yeah. refer to fighting for the industry, people and hairdressers probably automatically assume, oh, they're fighting for us because I'm part of the. In no, they're not fighting for you. They're fighting for the, the magazines and all those people that well, make their, future, their money right? their out of the industry. It's, yeah. it's, it's their future. Yeah, so so yeah, so there was 90% of, of the uh, surveys that have taken on debt over the last year. 84% um, said people will be laid off because of this, this yeah. whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 245 had received zero landlord support. So they were just some of the takeaways, um, you know, in terms of actual f physical data that was brought to the show. But like you say, the, the show was... Um, the show is interesting, but yeah, ultimately, I think we've just solved their problem, right? They all need to downsize, um, get underneath the VAT threshold, and then they won't have uh, to deal with the whole VAT issue. And this is again, right? I know, I know one person in that group, right? Mm. They utter, utter bullshit. What they were talking about. I want to move on from this. Okay, let, let's so move on. We, we can talk about. It. But I, I know one yeah. thing, right? They. they they yeah, I don't want to slander anything. No, 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 because they're not talk. They don't care about the industry. Because I know when with their staff, right? They had them on contracts. And one of it, because I know one of their staff members, right? Wanted to, well, he wanted to come and work for me. I wanted to come and work for me, but his contract, he was so scared mm. because of the the radius clause. He was so scared. The what clause? Radius clause. You know. Uh, right, look, you can't bring shit like this up and not explain it. Explain to everyone what a radius clause, clause. is. Well, like, yeah, if, if you're working for, say, my salon, yeah. and I've got you tied down, right, you can't go up to the salon next door or go work for 
sort of someone else might compete it across the road sure. either. Within the so it's kind of like an anti-competition exactly clause, right? So how can and these and these top salons right have these contracts in place? That I know for a fact because I come across it all the time, and I know exactly is this, who they are. Is it, but is this something that that is relevant to this day and age? Because I can imagine that being the case 10, 15 years it's, ago before even Facebook. To day, even to this day, right? Because, right, they protected their interests. Okay? Sure, but isn't that isn't that made futile by? Uh, the digital age that we're in now because, you know, 15 years ago, a salon would have all their customers and clientele on a database and it, they wouldn't be, they, you wouldn't want your stylist to disappear to Joe's salon up the road and take all their clients with them. So their database is secure. Well, intellectual but property, hasn't, right? Intellectual, intellectual property. property. Yeah, but all this is futile now because everybody's following each other. Hairdressers and their clients follow each other on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And they can contact direct. So it really does, that no, whole garden but, 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 of the when, salon database is now irrelevant. No, so these anti-competition clauses are kindly, are kind of uh, irrelevant in no, this day and age, don't it, you think? I agree with you. But unfortunately, you're looking from the person who signs that contract. They, they will look at it very slightly differently. You and me, have we're, we're very strong-minded. We're, mm. we're, we're very independent. But another hairdresser who's under, under sort of a salary not commission or anything like that, an income, it, mm. then it becomes a, 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 a sort of scaremongering. And so when they talk about a community and all this stuff, right, it's not fair. I mean, they, they, they pick and choose their words to fight their own battles. Now, you want to fight a battle, you go all the way. You don't pick and choose. When you pick and choose, you lost the argument. You lost the debate. So, you, you mm. know, again, that's, that's, uh, that's why I just find them to be completely... Um, Futile, really. I've got, I've got no time for it. Right, next. Okay. Next subject. Right, can we can we move on from save our salons because we've just solved that. We've just solved that <laughs> that whole thing without going to the government with our begging bowl. We've solved yeah. that. So, brilliant, brilliant work, Joe. High five. Um, yeah, the, 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 really. The next the next thing I really wanted to talk about was, and I hate bringing politics into our industry because I just think politics is just such a waste of our time. Um, yeah, we don't need it in our industry. Don't we? we don't need it in our industry. However, there are certain sections of our industry that somehow believe that we do need politics in our industry. Um, knowingly, the Hair and Barber Council being the main ones. And I have been a state registered senior hairdresser uh, with the Hair yeah, and Barber Council. So zero up. SRH. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I understand there is a certain level of service they provide. However, they like to promote themselves on the fact that they are fighting for the industry. You know, that, that word, that, that word, yeah. fighting for the industry. Let's define... Um, so basically, it's an oxymoron, this, this idea of fighting for you, because we discussed in previous shows about the BEIS structure, the Bay structure, and how Hair and Barber Council and their affiliates and BABTAC and all these representatives of us, the grassroots level of hairdressing, or sovereign hairdressers, and, and defining sovereign, sovereign simply means, some people think of it in the context of royalty and yeah, things like that, yeah. but sovereign uh, is a, a way of possessing supreme or ultimate power. For example, in modern democracies, the people's will is in theory sovereign. So essentially, a sovereign hairdresser is somebody that's independent, that doesn't rely on any particular brand, product company, and who probably doesn't um, uh, yeah, doesn't um, is not in one of these memberships like such as state registered senior hairdresser, hair and barber council, NHBF. You know, so that's how I'm going to use the word sovereign from now on. If you're not part of these political quangos, then you're sovereign hairdresser because none of these things that they talk about really affect you. Yeah. They don't get in the way of you cutting your client's hair. No. Um, but anyway, I just want to bring up the fact that I got an email from the Hair and Barber Council the other day, 
and essentially it brought us the news that they're putting their fees up from £45 to £70 a year, which is uh, an inflation-busting price increase of 80%. Uh, so I want to know how they can justify that. Well, did they, did they give you reasons why they, um, they put the prices up? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really go into it. I was so sickened by the idea of, you know, them. they, they literally control an Excel spreadsheet with people on it and they want to get paid at eighty pounds, uh, sorry, £70 a year to put your name on a spreadsheet. Do you know what I mean? And and like I say, I don't I don't see any other value in that whatsoever. Um, I mean, why 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 register? Official recognition under the law. What law is that? The Hairdressers Registration Act. Right, yeah. Good. Well, I mean, look, go to the Hair and Barber Council website, Joe. I know, am, this I'm, is what I'm saying when I'm talking about industry. They are supported by VCCT, Habia, Sitting Guilds, L'Oreal, British Master Bar, Barber Evo. Good Salon Guide, Professional Hairdresser, International Hair Artist Agency, HJ, MHV, British Barbers Association. F no, you notice, you notice the f common thread there. Yeah. Who they're brand, supported by? Brands. They're supported by the industry. Yeah, the, the brands, yeah, brands. The brands, the industry. There's no salons or individual no. hairdressers within that little list, which I find odd because they're fighting for us. Yes. Remember the little people, the little people that are giving them forty-five pound or seventy pounds a year to exist they're yeah. fighting for us but i don't see that and i wish that i wish they would be tr more transparent on what who they're actually representing because what we've discovered from this email that they sent through the other day is in a nutshell uh, an extra charge for 40 pounds because this was a scenario that i i was given right um the hair and barber council basically um joined up with some quango um, called the, ah, oh, it's the International Commissioner's Office. Right. And essentially, this is to do with the GDPR regulations That's of data, Europe. Which this is, is data, data, data protection. Data protection. Exactly. Right. Um, ah. And I'm looking for the email now. I should. I really should have had it. So, um, so, they, so they're actually asking you as a member to sort of like to pay their um, their fees on the GPDA or top of thing? No, I don't think they're doing that. I think what they're doing is, once again, the Hair and Barber Council are the government mouthpiece. They don't represent their members at all. All they do is they pass on messages from the government of compliance. Um, you know, we saw that throughout the, the uh, corona crisis, which was, these are the rules, follow the rules, etc., etc. And look where it got us. It got us more rules and it got us locked down yeah. anyway. Do you know what I mean? So rather than the Hair and Barber Council going back to the, the government and saying, no, this isn't right, we shouldn't be doing this, look at the data, you know, they, they, wasn't, they wasn't arguing or debating with the government on our behalf. They basically just swallowed everything the government told it and passed it on to their members, right? Anyway, yeah. well, yeah. so... So, so this was the latest meet. Uh, this was the latest email that got sent out to us, and essentially, it's the information. Sorry, I, I misquoted. It's the Information Commissioner's Office (ICO). So, the ICO is the UK's independent regulator. So, you see, you see what's happening here. Independent. Uh, independent regulator. So, this is another regulator for something else that we don't even really need regulation on because it's about data, right? Now, if I'm paying uh, my software provider £100 a month for the software, my reception appointment book, my online booking software, etc., my data is stored with them. Why have I got to pay another separate entity £40 a year or whatever it was? Just to house it. To just to, no, basically just to sign up to another list which says, I look after your data well. I'm already paying a third party software provider £100 a month. Or, you know, if it's yeah. one of them free ones, like those, those that should remain nameless, then you're not paying them at all. They're extracting money from other ways. But that's another argument about, you know, if it's free, then you are the product kind yeah. of thing. Um, what, what, why would I need to pay to get on a list to show someone that I'm protecting? Because I'm already paying for this software and it's the software company's responsibility to make sure that my customer's data is yeah, protected, secure sec yeah. and safe. That's right. 
Do you know what I mean? So once again, guys, you've got to open your eyes. This is our, this is our hair and barber council asking the government for more regulations that are now promoting another regulatory office that us to pay into. I mean, it's a joke. What joke? No, listen, I, 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 I'm, I don't sign up to these things, so I've, I've got no skin in the game to sort of comment on it. But listening to you, I don't even know why you bothered in the first place, really. You know, I mean, you had the right to criticise them. You had the right to exercise your, um, your, your, your views. So, I well, this is my opinion. Apparently, many of our members will receive a letter from the ICO. So please attach a copy of the letter for your information. They have a web hub specifically designed for small and medium enterprises with lots of tips and simple guides that our members will find useful. Once again, this is insane. This is extracting money from the little people, the small and medium enterprises, while they're supporting their industry supporters. But then, having said that, right, forget the increase. I don't get it. Forget the increase, right? That £40 you were paying before, Hmm. Was it worthwhile to spend 40 45. 45. Now, 45. I'm, I'm sort of looking at the wire register. Official recognition under the law, Hairdressers Act Recognition Act. Yeah. Certificate underwritten by law, by Act of Parliament. The right to use the initials SRH, which I mentioned before just a minute ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The right to apply for master craftsman. Credential you'll find useful if you need to work in America or whatever. Free advice. Yeah. Apply to cheapest insurance cover available, exclusive hairdresser magazine, the possibility to attend a reception in the House of Commons to mix with businesses, blah, blah. Now, oh, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, right. It's a bad experience. How is this going to get your clientele? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> it's not. Because our clientele, let's face it, Joe, they aren't on Google checking to see if we're state registered before is, they walk into the salon. And, and that's fundamentally the problem. That right? is the only thing a hairdresser... That's why they want regulation. Yeah. They want regulation <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, in yeah. order to prove that point of getting people to Google. Oh, is this person you know, on a list that yeah. says that they can do their job? Most people use their eyes as they walk right. in to see how professional the place is, how clean it is. Exactly. First impressions count. Exactly. You don't go to a bricks and mortar store and go online first before you make a decision whether to walk into the store. Do you know what I mean? And, and also, you know, one thing about the web, right, as we all know, yeah. it's full of misinformation. Yeah, right. misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation. What, what kind of information? Well, whatever. If, say I'm looking for a hairdresser, I've got to go. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. This one's all like step register. Blah blah. Okay. Blah 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 blah. Right. And then you go there. Yeah. What's the chances that you're going to come out really, really satisfied? What are the chances? Well, who knows? You know, it's it, one exactly. Those, it's one of those things, it's, right? It's one of those things. It depends on the person you get inside. But yeah. as long as the good first impression, you walk in, everyone's smiling. It's nice. They're not covered in masks. They're not looking like they're about to so, take, undertake surgery on so you. So tell me, tell me something then, then right? I mean, you know, why did you, why did you um, register in the first place? How many, how, how long, how many years, how many years you've been a member? Yeah, um, it was only one year. Oh, I okay. Last year, and oh. it was simply because it was a shortcut for me to get liability insurance. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> so you used it to get it. <laughs> I used it, yeah. I mean, what? Listen, I'm giving you a reason why I used it, why I found them useful. Do you need liability insurance? Because, as you know, Joe, I have zero qualifications in hairdressing. Well, what do I you just have got? my. Well, you've got zero qualifications. <laughs> I've just got twenty years of experience. Yep. And obviously that gets you certain granddad rights. <laughs> but when you're trying to apply for liability insurance, the insurance companies do not recognise you've got 20 Could, years experience. I mean, they, they need somebody to authorise that you are who you say you are. Well, no, where, where, where you differ, right, is that you actually do technical work as well, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so for that, you do need insurance. I mean, as a haircut... That's what yeah, I using do. chemicals. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with as you. As a haircutter, right? That's all I do. Right? I don't do cut anything. Hair. I cut hair. I don't need a liability insurance. I mean, what no, do? I don't. You know I, mean? I don't. I don't either, to be honest. But you know, you you have to comply to a but, certain but set of rules until you realise the rules are kind of yeah. <laughs> the rules of war. They're just right? put there for, for 
they're just put there as just a, a barrier of entry. No, no, I, like I, I no, say, if so. I did chemical work, I probably would protect myself as well. Again, yeah, but if you did chemical work, you would actually go to the manufacturer of those chemicals and have to understand the chem. Like in my ideal world, I think a lot more of the responsibility of of liability should be taken undertaken by the manufacturers of the chemicals. Yeah, well, they should be doing their due diligence of who they're selling their products so to. So when you so when you buy a product, are you get insurance with it? Are you? Is that what you're exactly, exactly. Good luck. That's a good campaign to start. Actually, we should we should, uh, we should look uh, into uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, our last campaign, which was abolish all campaigns, never got <laughs> yeah. off the ground. So I'm not starting enough. Um, so, yeah, so look, I think there, I think that is something that we we need to follow. We do need to at least keep an eye on these things that are happening in the industry, because I see this as a, a question of compromise. And I think over the last 20, 30 years, salon industry has compromised to government so much, what with minimum wage, what with liability insurance, what with the education program essentially being ripped out of salons and given to centralised educators. Um, You know, salons have compromised to product companies, to everyone over the last 20, 30 years. And and you can't start compromising and then expect all these compromises to be... Why do they go to education? Because they, they they get grants from the government to do so. Right. Well, I know, but those grants probably come from the amount of extortionate VAT that hairdressers have been paying. So well, essentially, we're paying into this Ponzi scheme that's run by the government I, to I mean, I mean, have, take the money out of our industry and then put and it again, into a centralised right, education. And as a hairdresser, uh, I've noticed, right, you know, a growing number of educators. I think a lot of these problems have been brought on by the salons themselves. Yep. And they are not now aware of the situation uh, this impending doom and they're trying to get out of these situations which have been which they've created and the creation of these 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 situations has come because they've compromised and they've allowed these rules to come in over the decades rather than organizing themselves well, into a well, proper do, well, body th- which will fight back against do you think that they actually want the industry rules. well do you actually do you actually think the industry want they want the industry to to re not restructure, but to actually who who the, oh, who are you talking the about the hairdressing council, the the federations, all these kind of groups, right? They, they actually, well, the well industry is is you know we've got to stick to our definition of terms, which is industry is those people that don't make money from doing hair. Right, right. I mean the the professional bodies, the yes. professional bodies. Do they, do you actually believe that? Well, think that they actually want the industry to sort of scale down from where it is to where the way they want it to be to be more manageable numbers um i don't think they want that to be the case i think they want to, well i think i think that i think their actions will have that unintended consequence of everyone will end up scaling down yeah. and this is what i'm trying to this is what we're trying to point out to people that if you let these these bureaucrats carry on down the pathway that you're going we are all going to be self-employed. Yeah. We are all going to be freelance. We'll all be working off the grid because our industry has suffocated enough over these compromises that they've given to product companies and government and taken away our individual sovereignty to I, I, our craft. Because I, I, I see it, right? No matter what happens, no matter what environmental um, atmosphere is outside, right? People will always get their hair done. People will, yeah. you know what I mean? So we yeah. will survive. We will survive, I d- absolutely. I don't know the professional Agreed bodies you. will. Then They probably won't. Right, yeah. So, But as hairdressers, and, and, you yeah. can, and you can sort of see by the numbers, right, because a lot of numbers don't interact with all these professional bodies anyway, mm. uh, as you can sort of see with the campaign. So the hairdressers are not... Um, they're not stupid to, to sort of fall into that trap that they, they're they bleating about, really. I, I mean, Agreed. No, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. You know, you know what I mean? No. Totally. Um, right, any other relevant business, Joe Mehmet? Um, what's got you go on LinkedIn this week? <laughs> Where do I start on that one? Well, <laughs> well you know what? I, I, before we start that, um, I just want to make uh, do some housekeeping from the last show. Um 
I made a bit, a bit of a mistake uh, last week, and it, I, it was brought to my attention by Barry Scaramucci. So thank you, Barry, for writing in. Um, he says Tony and Guy do exist in Southend. It's just they've moved around the corner. Okay. So thank you for that. Um, however, I wouldn't like to know that if it's a new franchise, if it, if this new uh, Tony and Guy is a new franchisee, then my point still remains. Yeah, of course you it know, does. Franchise, or, or been, franchisees don't last longer than five years. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know where I don't know where they moved to. I mean, I know Southend, but I don't know where they the yeah. the owner. Maybe the lease side have probably been incentivized to move there to yeah. make room for somebody else to move into where Yeah, maybe, you know maybe. I mean? But for but as, as far as I was aware, I, I didn't know. They, they, they were in the But this is my point. They're in the same mall, but they were just in a different shop in the same mall. Yeah. So, like I say, it just seems a bit weird that you'd spend all that money moving from A to B. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Without a change in managership or change in ownership. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, but that's that's by the by. I just wanted to point that out because, like I say, if we make mistakes, we're going to own our mistakes, exactly. right, Joe? Oh, listen, we're, we're going to own we're, them. Yeah, we're we're we're, right. we're not rocket scientists, are we? No, we're, no. We're, listen, we're, we 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 riff and we freestyle on things that we we love to talk about, which exactly. is the hairdressing industry. Exactly. And occasionally, we our uh, loose lips may sink the <laughs> ship. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so right. then, Joe, what's got your goat on LinkedIn? Well, he, he has a real, but look, I there, there was a there was a sort of like a thing, but the um, the anti jab. There was a there was a there was a guy right, sort of like mm. a personal trainer. He 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 feels that by refu- because you know if you refuse a jab, no jab, no job. There's that sort of this. Um, okay, is this a new campaign? Well, it's not a new campaign, but a new, new sort of like media figure, right? Sort of going like around. fear-mongering. Yeah, right? So, no, yeah. And, you know, and companies have a right to protect their staff, their businesses. So if if um, if they don't want to give a, a, a job to someone, um, you know. But what point is it coercement, though, Joe? What, at what point is, you know, get the jab or else? Well, it's not get the jab Against your human rights. Well, well, this is what he's saying, right? This guy was sort of saying, right, it's a violation of human rights. I said, well, well that's just when employment laws become um, a human right. So it's kind of giving this whole narrative about my body, my choice. Yes. Fair enough. I agree with that. And I said to him, how do you feel about smokers? Oh, it's a disgusting habit. Blah, 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 blah. Well, it's my body, my choice. So he's actually violating my human rights by sort of saying, right, that I can't smoke in his vicinity but yeah. uh, because it violates his, um, his health issues, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I suppose it's the second-hand smoke. And, you know, you can see that. But no, but where did, he get his, where did he get his information from? Yeah, the government. Data. The, the science. The science, right? Yeah. We go back 30 years ago, right? So all of a sudden, he's poo-pooing the, this, the science, the data from the government, all that lot, by, by sort of like refusing the, um, the jab and, and the business violation. So you can't have it all your way. If you want to fight an argument, fight it openly. You can, mm. like I keep saying, you cannot pick and choose your battles. And, that was, and I was going on this um, argument with him about, about the fact that... Um, Listen, I'm a smoker. You, you're a personal trainer. You preaching the poisons of smoking to your clients because it's your business. But at the same time, you don't care about you going into a working environment, right, where you can actually risk the livelihood of all the staff working in that um, in, environment and the, and the closer of business. Yeah. So that was that was my argument today. So that's been that's my goat on LinkedIn anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That was your goat for this week. That's Brilliant, right. Joe. We're going to have to wrap it up because right, we're over an hour now. Well, it's always an hour. Um, right. So, uh, no matter how how hard I try and get these things under half an hour, like I say, your riff, your ability to riff at any words I throw at you is remarkable. So, well done for that. Um, uh, what are you up to this week? Um, tell us uh, where people can find you if they want to follow you on LinkedIn, etc. They can find me on LinkedIn, Joe Mehmet. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, but please, if you want to, if you want to sort of like connect with me, don't try and send me a Bitcoin or anything like that because I get, <laughs> I get, I get all these people sort of like, yeah, thank you for connecting. Are you interested in 
exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, there's always uh, Telegram. You're on Telegram now, I'm aren't you? Telegram, you can yeah. find our Salonomics page on Telegram, yes. which is yes, at Salonomics. And if you agree we... or disagree with me, please. Yeah. Uh, I'm up. For, I'm up for the debate. Yeah, put a comment on that. It'd be good. It'd yeah. be good to. Um, it'd be good to like you know, put the other side of this argument because, like I say, we don't hear many alternative opinions. We just hear this kind of common thread narrative that's been, you know, fed to us by the PRs and by the professional bodies. Yeah, you know, we yeah. want to know what um, these sovereign hairdressers and barbers out there. And we're, we're not anti-establishment, think. but also we don't, no. we, 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 we don't buy what they're selling either. Not at all. We're anti-fragile. Yeah. That's what we are. Yes, and we want to stay yes. anti-fragile. All right then, Joe. Well, yes. Um, GoSalon.uk. Thank you very much. I will do. Um, GoSalon.uk is where you can try and future-proof your salon uh, against impending pandemics and lockdowns. Um, And, yeah, follow me, Aaron Dawn Hair, wherever you want. I'm everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, adios, everyone. Thank you again. Uh, Speak to you soon. And, Joe? Trust no one. Uh, trust no one. Especially on LinkedIn. <laughs> Trying to shield your Bitcoin. Yeah, don't do it. Anyway, yeah. Cheers, guys. See you later, everyone. Okay, bye.